You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Thank you again, Plus Life, for welcoming me back, um, and thank you to Pastor Ian for including me, and also it's always good to see brothers and sisters, and to see everyone worshiping together in person is very, very wonderful, and we don't have to, or I don't at least have to speak into a small camera hole and, and imagine that a bunch of people are there, because a bunch of people are here right now. It's a very, very wonderful thing. So praise God for this, and also for the fellowship that we can have. So, I want to ask you guys a question this morning. Just think about it. What has been the greatest stress on you during this week? And how has that affected your relationship with God? I'm sure you're all very busy. You all have very, very busy work schedules, or you have families to take care of, or maybe it's some health issues, maybe some school issues, maybe it's some interpersonal relationship stress, anything this week that has bothered you tremendously this week, and how has that affected your relationship with God? And then when you think about that, transition to the next question here, what are your greatest needs then? Because you have a stress or something that's been bothering you this week, and how has that affected your relationship with God? What is your greatest need right now, do you think, so that you can be at peace? What is something that you need? Do you need some work to decrease? Do you need someone to say sorry to you? Do you need to say sorry to someone else? Do you need some sort of peaceful mind to kind of carry you over for the next few days? Is something bothering you that you know you need, you have a longing for, in order to reach a state of peace once again? We all have different stretches of pain. We all have different stretches of stress. We all have different longings in our heart at different times and different stages in our life. And it's not wrong to desire peace when we are stressed. It's not wrong to desire a certain stability or maybe even a consistency of joy where we can enjoy things genuinely and have a hopeful and maybe even a positive outlook on life. It's not wrong to desire those things. Proverbs, the book we're reading from today, the collection of all these wonderful wisdom sayings in the Bible, mentions this kind of life. And it's opposite very clearly. In verse 13 and 15, we read, A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. And in verse 15, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. When our hearts are satisfied, when our hearts have their longings fulfilled, whatever that might be, Okay, we're not going to get into super details about that, but whatever your longing may be in your heart, when they're satisfied, Proverbs makes it very clear that your life will be very full of joy and gladness and having a cheerful face, which means very positive general outlook on life. And then verse 15, all the days of the afflicted are evil. So those who are oppressed, those who are beaten down, those who aren't having their longings fulfilled, to them, every single day seems like an evil day. It seems like a dark day. There's uh, glooming uh, depression or sadness over them. But the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. They have always something to celebrate. They have something that's sustaining them. So Proverbs makes it very clear that our hearts, okay, and especially as is mentioned in the Old Testament, that our hearts, the core of our being, the core of our being, all of who we are, our feelings, our desires, our longings, our identity, uh, what we're, we're working everything towards, the heart, our heart, needs to be satisfied with something. 
it needs to be fulfilled with something. We are all longing for a deeper sense of love. We're all longing for a stability or peace. We're all longing for things to make us feel at least better. Because God designed us to have all those things in him. As simple as that, God designed all of us to have the love that we can receive from him in him. God designed for us to be at peace with him. God designed for us to be stable in our identity with him. And even when we don't know what's going on, God calls us to trust him. The longings of our heart, there's so many different ways that we can fulfill it, but it always leads to emptiness without God. If you look at where Christianity is booming all around the world. You see it booming in South America, in Africa, and even some parts of China secretly, right? And it's happening in places where maybe the governments aren't as uh, stable, and there's definitely corruption, there's definitely misery. We see God working in people who have deep longings and finding the gospel and the power of life and resurrection in Jesus, and they're accepting it, and they're finding the longing, the fulfillment that they've always been looking for in Jesus. Jesus Christ. And over here, at least in the West, we see we have so many different ways to distract ourselves. We have so many different ways to numb our pain or to at least not to acknowledge it. We have so many different ways and temptations to look away from God, and yet we are so miserable. Or at least we say we're miserable. But we can definitely think of a time where, look, we have shelter, we have food, we have comfort, we have warmth. We can even make different kinds of friends, but still there's an emptiness deep down inside of us because we cannot replace God. But look at the Proverbs. When things are going well and our hearts are satisfied, whether sufficiently or generously, uh, we can be joyful and we can be glad consistently. And when things are not going well, we're missing something. And through maybe some fault of our own or no fault of our own, we find ourselves in difficult situations and striving to find some sort of thing to uh, give us reassurance or to give us some stability again. Again, there is no mistaking it. We need to remember and know that this morning, um, the quality of our life, the quality of our life is daily influenced by the state of our heart. The quality of our life is daily influenced by the state of our heart, not necessarily our financial situation, not even necessarily our social or family situations. It's daily influenced by the state of our heart, the core of our being. How are we reacting to certain situations? How are we responding to certain situations? Are we trusting God? Are we coming to him for that fulfillment and for that longing? So the call that we're reading from in Proverbs is that, okay, if I want a good life, which is good to strive for, I need to have these longings fulfilled, but what should I do? We need to have we need to prioritize and seek and take in what we need. And we need to take in God. Because the question is, if our hearts are longing for something good, what is truly good? What do we need to constantly return to? And it's not a what for us, it's who. It's God. It's God as he's revealed himself in the Lord Jesus Christ when we come to him to be fulfilled. Again, Proverbs tells us that a healthy heart, a satisfied one, leads to good things. And a good life, one that is enjoyed and one that is thriving, has a heart that is at peace and has its deepest longings fulfilled. We are always searching for this, no matter what. We are always looking for something to latch onto. And if it's not God, it's going to be something else. And whatever that something else is, ultimately fails us and leaves us wanting more and leaves us empty. 
But we, as Christians, as followers of God, and if you're not a Christian, you may know that there is good hope that the deepest longings of our heart, our identity, the love that we need, the forgiveness that we need, the power that we need to live a life that is good and godly and righteous is all found in Jesus. The hardest part of our days is not necessarily the work that we have to do. It's not necessarily uh, the stress that we go through. The hardest part of our day, right when we wake up in the morning, is deciding whether or not to surrender to God and to fulfill ourselves, or have ourselves fulfilled in Him, to be satisfied in Him, to seek Him in prayer and in the Word and in worship, and not just on Sunday, because the real battle is in the weekdays, right, when we're not necessarily around each other as much, when we're kind of left a little bit more alone, and when we're tempted, when we wake up, do you look at your screen first or do you look at your Bible, right? Those kinds of things. The hardest part of the day is whether we surrender to God right in the beginning or at least some point during the day or not. Because depending on how we are fulfilled dictates how the rest of our day goes and then dictates how the rest of the week goes and the months and so on. The frequency, the need, the consistency of coming to God and being filled is what changes us, is what satisfies our hearts, is what we need so that we can glorify Him and not only glorify Him, actually enjoy our life, but in a different way from what the world says. God created us with many desires and many good desires, and we naturally want things anyway, and we want them fulfilled. And when we do have certain things fulfilled, we can live happily. But joy and a long-lasting joy is only found in God. Proverbs is saying, if you want to know why you are truly happy or truly sad, it's the state of your heart. It's your longing fulfilled. Is it going to be in the possessions that you're trying to accumulate? Is it going to be in the status that you're trying to find? Is it going to be in a relationship that you're trying to pour yourself into? Or is it always going to be in Jesus? And then in Jesus, everything else. The heart, the core of our being, it longs for stuff. We need to know this. And God opens himself up to us and is always available to us. There are very bad ways to satisfy our heart. There are very many ways to numb our hearts, to deny what we need and seek things that are more shallow, things that might be evil or things that ultimately lead to more corruption in us. Proverbs says that foolish behavior is when we only pursue what is bad and we never learn and we keep pursuing what is bad. Instead of looking up and fearing the Lord, revering the Lord, respecting the Lord, trusting the Lord, looking at God and saying, you are everything that I need and everything that I long for. So the question is, what do we need to satisfy our deepest longings? It is God. When we have true wisdom, knowing what to do and having the discipline to do it, right? When we have true wisdom and true knowledge, we know that as God followers, our longings and our, our, our deep cravings deep inside our heart for love and acceptance and to be whole as a person is only found when we surrender to God alone. So we need to take in more of God. We need to prioritize God, not like food and water, but like air, because we can't last like a few minutes without air. We cannot last a single moment without God. We need to know this because out there in the world, we have so many people that look at us. If we say that we're Christians and we're not breathing in and out God by the Holy Spirit, by faith, we're relying on him, trusting in him, being fulfilled in him, and showing everyone the kind of love that he has, how will they know 
How will they know? So we need to take in and prioritize more of God. So the first thing we need to look at this morning is when we're looking to find a deep satisfaction in our hearts, find your longing in God and in God alone. In verse 14, it says, The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feed on folly. Proverbs says that a person who has understanding, in the context of the book of Proverbs, understanding is when you know God, is when you seek God, and God gives you wisdom, gives you good knowledge of how to live and how to live righteously. It's not just, oh, I am very woke and I understand how everything is going on. It's not that. It is a pursuit of God. So Proverbs is saying the heart of him who understands, who has a knowledge of God, continues to seek more of God, to know God more, to know more about God, and to let that affect that person's life. Not uh, the things that the world says are good and that we need to keep pursuing, but seeking God and God alone. In the second half of verse 14, we see the contrast. But the mouths of fools feed on folly. Feed on things that ultimately crumble away. Feed on things that leave a bad aftertaste in their mouth or repeat certain things and then ultimately leaves them for ruin. But a heart for God, someone who understands and knows at least to some degree who God is and recognizes how important God is, they always keep pursuing more of God, having true knowledge of God, true wisdom in God, and that affects the daily life, it affects the heart, it affects everything you do. So we need to find our longing in God. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, and then Jesus quotes it himself in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, when he's being tempted in the wilderness by the devil, right? That man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from God, right? Every word that comes from God. Yes, we need to eat. It's good to be satisfied with food. But the deeper longing behind our physical needs is God, the truth of God. We need to really understand this because if we are trying to fill our minds with so many empty philosophies of the world or so many different ways of thinking that um, can give us some sort of peace or whatever, and we're not looking towards God, if we're not eating and feeding on the Word of God, if we're not opening up our Bibles and really diving into it and reading it for ourselves, we're really, really, really not being fulfilled in God through His Word, then we will keep longing, we will keep searching, and we will keep being unsatisfied and we'll keep being stressed. And that stress can lead to very, very bad decisions, or it leads us to a hardened heart and leads us further away from God. And we say that we're happy, but really we know that deep down inside something's missing. And as a Christian, we know that when we are away from God or feeling distant from God, we know that there's something that we need to give up so that we can be fulfilled in God once again. We cannot stress enough how important it is to understand that we don't live off entertainment. We don't live off whatever tempts us. We don't live off um, just solely the family relationships that we have or the, the love that we have with brothers and sisters, although that's good, and we will touch up on that later. But we live by every word that God says, and it is satisfying, and it is good, and it is full of truth, and we see his love in it. So we encourage always, not just pastors, but any Christian should encourage other Christians to read the word and to enjoy it and to savor it and to grow knowing that his word gives us true knowledge of God. And this true knowledge affects us if we want to follow it and it transforms our life. How can we know the gospel if we don't look into the word? How can we know the details of the gospel if we don't look into the word? How can we know about the joys of the resurrection if we don't look into his word? How can we 
know how Jesus feels about us if we don't read about things that he says, like in the Gospel of John, right? In chapter 10, when he says that, you know, no one can snatch my sheep out of my hand. No one can, you know, things like that. All those things we can see and enjoy and savor when we dive into the Word of God. Now, you may have heard that uh, there's a crisis in the Western church where a lot of young people, I don't even know what young people means anymore, but a lot of young people, okay, so all of you guys, right, and uh, the youth, they're leaving the church, and they're leaving the church in droves, and it's a crisis, and yeah, yeah, I would probably tend to agree, and a lot of studies are looking at, okay, why did this person leave the faith? They do a bunch of interviews and stuff like that, but there's this book uh, that I looked into, um, I forgot what it's called, so sorry, I can reference it to you later if you have questions. It was published by the Barna Group, and they were saying, well, instead of looking at why people are leaving, why are people staying, why are people thriving in the faith? And they interviewed a bunch of young people. Again, I don't know what that means, probably like 30 and under, not to discriminate anyone who's 30 and over. But anyway, they found that the number one thing that kept these people growing and resilient in a culture where Christianity is not anything really anymore, they found that the number one thing was intimacy with Jesus, and intimacy with Jesus through reading the word actually getting into the word for themselves. Can you imagine a teenager reading the Bible every day instead of, okay, well, maybe, on top of doing all the things that they do on their phone? It's hard to imagine, but then there are people out there who are being satisfied in the word, and that's the countercultural difference, as sad as it is to say right now, that they're finding their longings and their satisfaction in Jesus, and they're doing it through reading the word and they're doing it consistently, and they know that God is their everything, right? This is how we get our satisfaction and longing in God. is through the word. It's through prayer. We need to do this. This is the bread and butter of our faith. Cannot go without it. So we need to see and recognize that we can be fulfilled so much in God as we read his word. We need to prioritize it. Again, not like food and water, because we can go a pretty long time without it, but like air, more important than air. We need to have the knowledge of God in us. So I want you to think about, as you go through your weeks and your days, think about your longings in your heart. What are your daily desires? What do you need to get done? For most of us, uh, the biggest problem that we face every day when we wake up is probably you know, our daily responsibilities. Oh, I just need to do this for work, and then I need to take care of my family, and then I'll be done for the day. Right? And then we're worried about how we can maintain our job or maintain the, uh, the, uh, the, the financial flow that we can have to uh, keep living well and properly. Right? So most of our daily stresses in general just come from the daily responsibilities that we have. But Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, right, verse 22 to 34, right, that we don't have to worry about the provisions for the everyday. We don't need to live for the provisions of the everyday, because God takes care, of, takes care of us. Focus on his kingdom, live for God, and he takes care of the rest for you. So God doesn't want us to be fixated on just our daily responsibilities and then forget about him. God doesn't want us to rely on ourselves to accomplish our daily responsibilities when he tells us very clearly, we have better things to live for. We have the kingdom of God. So how can we use our work to glorify him and all that stuff? Instead of, I just need to get this done, get it to pay the bills, and it's stressful right now, but I'll make it through. No, God wants to be so much more involved in your life than that. God wants to satisfy your heart so much more than just saying, here's a job, you go do it, you're, you're off on your own. 
Not at all. He wants us to be totally surrendered to him in every facet of your life, including our daily responsibilities. So again, when you wake up, do you look at your phone and look at all the things that you have to do for the day? Or do you wake up and you say, praise God, I'm alive. He is in me. I'm going to live for the kingdom. He satisfies me. He uplifts me. He is my God. So those are some of the daily longings that we face every day. Other times, I found that we, as people, are very easily distracted, myself included. I procrastinate a lot to a point where I had to bring it to God and say, wait, something is very wrong here because I'm not supposed to be doing this. When I'm writing a sermon, I get distracted to look at something about basketball or look at something about the news or whatever, and I realize, wait, something's taking away my heart. Why am I doing this? It's because deep in my heart, I'm scared about what I'm supposed to write for a sermon, or maybe some thoughts are too complex for me, so I'm like, okay, maybe I'll just do something else to kind of numb my mind or distract myself for a little bit. But I know that there's something in here that needs to be satisfied with him in order to keep going. So when you're procrastinating or if you're scared of doing something, if that's something that's weighing you down in your heart or if you're stressed about something, are you stopping what you're doing? Like stop using the thing that you're using and said, come to God and do you ask him for strength? Do you ask him to give you endurance? Do we actually trust that he'll actually do it for us and give it for us? God wants to be so interwoven in everything that we do and everything that we do should be glorifying to him. And it helps to streamline things. Maybe we can let go of certain things that we don't need to do. But God is always inviting us to involve all of ourselves with him, to be so satisfied in the word, to seek him, to long for him, and to be satisfied. He says he's living water and that he is the bread of life. These are not terms that Jesus uses lightly, and we shouldn't take them lightly. Do we get our force, our life, our, our breath, our energy, everything, our purpose? Do we get it from God? Because if we do, it is a very satisfying way to live. And it's the only way to live, to be honest, if we proclaim to be Christ followers. So our daily longings fall to so many different categories. And then we have our lifetime longings or our eternal longings, right? Our deep, deep needs within ourselves. Am I truly accepted? Am I truly loved? Is there a direction or is there a purpose for me? Is what I'm doing, does it actually matter? Those are things, are, those are good questions, and those are things that God has put in our hearts because, again, only God can truly validate us. Only God loves us beyond the point where we can say, oh my goodness, I can just marvel at your love instead of being worried about performance, instead of being worried about um, how fickle God might be because he is always constant, right? When he says he loves you, he loves you. And nothing can change that. Do you get that satisfaction in him? Do you get that longing from within him? And do you receive that purpose from him? And do you realize that when we do everything for God, when we do all things committed for his glory, right, he can make it work for his kingdom. And we can make everything that we do not just something mundane or um, so long as it's not sinful, of course, to make it count for the kingdom. And then finding a fulfillment and longing in that. Because we do want to do stuff. We don't just want to sit here and enjoy God's love and not move. We want to do things, right? We have a desire within us to work. And we can glorify God through our work. But most of us use work as a distraction to actually look away from God instead of relying on him. So again, the challenge for us is if you want a glad heart, a heart that's fully fulfilled, it's not just knowing that God loves you. It's knowing that everything you do for God 
is worth eternity, or it can be used for eternity, as long again, this is not sinful, and we learn and we grow and we appreciate and we savor what God can do through us and the privilege that he says that he is with us and united with us in faith. It is a wonderful thing. So we can find our longings and our provisions fully in God. We can worship. We can enjoy God in that way. We can keep reading the word. We can keep doing Bible studies, all those good things. And then we focus on God and we say, I'm doing things for you. I'm going to be a light in my workplace. I'm going to be a light in my family, especially when they're yelling at me and I don't want to do it and all those kinds of things. And we find the purpose and the joy of living for God. Again, the greatest challenge that we face every day is genuinely, genuinely, okay, surrendering ourselves to God and opening ourselves up to His grace, opening ourselves up to His ways, opening ourselves up to the way of life that He has called for us to live and opening ourselves up to surrender to Him and to be empowered by Him. Doing daily devotionals is a great way to start, but if you think about it, the war on your heart it's not, it doesn't just stop when you say, you know, Jesus is Lord. You know, there's a daily struggle every day for us to just say, Jesus, you are Lord of this day. You are Lord of my life. You are Lord of everything that I'm doing today. So help me to just do it with you and do it in you and supplied by you and be fully strengthened by you. It is a hard day and it is a dull day without God. It is a peaceful day and it's a day that we can endure when we are surrendered to God. You notice as a Christian, there are some days, if you're really close to God, you know that there's a satisfaction, a longing, you feel like everything's going not only well in terms of uh, your relationship with him, but you're at least at peace. So even if chaos hits, you know you're going to be good. Versus those days when you know you've been distant from God. Maybe you haven't been reading the word. Maybe you haven't been praying as much. And there's this longing to do something else. And then when tragedy strikes or something bad happens, you go further and further away from God, and it leads to more misery. We need to resist the temptation to put off God completely. We need to prioritize him like air. We need to find our longing and satisfaction in him. And then nothing else. And then the second point that we want to mention today is that, okay, so if you find your longing in God, what does that mean for everything else? We need to know that worldly treasures, it definitely cannot replace God. Definitely not. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord in Proverbs first, uh, chapter 15, verse 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Proverbs makes it very clear. Don't mistake any worldly gain, whether it's done legitimately, but also in the context of this verse, illegitimately. Don't mistake any worldly gain and pleasure as a substitute for God. It's better to live with little to almost to nothing, but have a deep trust and reverence in God, a deep fulfillment in God than to have everything and just be empty deep inside. It's very clear. Fear God, revere him, respect him, honor him above all things. Seek his ways and his commandments. They're good for us. Better to live your life, again, trusting God deeply than to have all the success, all of the attention, all of the whatever tempts you to engage further with the way that the world prioritizes things. It's better to trust in God than in the things that we have or the things that we work for that are not for God. We don't need materials and vast wealth to be joyful. By the end of the day, it is a relationship with God and a relationship with others. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 4 and 7 and 8, it says, you know, basically that wealth will ultimately accumulate to nothing. 
in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 to 26, it says that it's better to, to give and to give generously. This is the mentality of love. This is how we can best use what God has given us. This is how we can find further fulfillment in obeying God, in caring for others. And also in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 and 19, it, it mentions that it's better to be poor and humble, humble meaning that we are still surrendered to God and acknowledging his ways, than to be very prideful with many riches, to be very arrogant against God and to be very arrogant against other people. There are very clear parameters that God has called us to live. And he calls us to live with him, to live and surrender to him and to value trusting in him more than we value what's in our pockets, more than who's around us, because when we trust God more, we can be a better blessing to others. We need to seek God first, always find our fulfillment in him and resist that temptation to say no or to be distracted. Jesus tells us that we can trust God and pursue his kingdom because God's kingdom isn't about hoarding wealth, but it is about the way of love, the way of, you know, loving people, giving, and the way of glorifying God and finding our true humanity and our true identity in him. And as we close off here in verse 17, it says, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox with hatred in it. In the NLT translation, it says, it's better is a dinner of, uh, of leaves or a salad than a fattened steak. And that's a pretty funny translation to me. But it says, yeah, a better is a dinner of herbs, so just small little greens uh, that really have no value to it whatsoever. But where love is versus a fattened ox where hatred is or where there is no love. If we're thinking about satisfying our hearts and finding our fulfillment and longing in God, we need to not waste our time on a life without love. In verse 17, that's what it's saying. This verse pretty much speaks for itself, right? It doesn't matter how much you have to enjoy. It doesn't matter the sheer amount of materials that we have. It doesn't matter about the sheer amount of friends we might even have. If there's no real love and care for one another, if there's no real love and acceptance for you, then everything is very dark. Everything is very gloom. We desire love. We desire to be cared for. We desire to care for others. We desire to be accepted. And God has given us an opportunity to really experience this, not only in our blood families, but in church. The reason why we as pastors and we as Christians are so adamant about calling people to come together experience koinonia, or community, is because God has told us that in this community, we can exemplify that sacrificial love for one another, that caring for one another, offering that hope for one another, not being scared of one another, not distrusting one another, but being open into a community of love where when we come here and when we eat our meals and when we share conversations, we look at the other person and you're like, I have no idea who that person is and I'm not going to share anything about myself. No, it's the complete opposite of that. To be open with one another, to care for one another. Proverbs describes, again, a greater pleasure and satisfaction beyond stuff, beyond materials. It is a life filled with life, a love, a life that is surrendered to God, trusting God, growing in the knowledge of God. It has love and it has love to give. And the more we discover God's love, the more we realize that it is the core need of our hearts. And so we really need to take seriously not only our personal fulfillment with God 
in our relationship with him when we surrender to him. But also here, when we're gathering, we have a major responsibility towards one another to really care for one another and exemplify a gospel-focused, biblical, but also truly centered from God love to one another. And we can't really do that if we're not being fulfilled in God at all. It doesn't matter how many people are here. It doesn't matter how great the programs or how great the messages are. If there is no love here, if, there is no, if every one of us here aren't being fulfilled in God and we're just gathering here and we're being gloomy towards each other, then we are not experiencing the true purposes that God has established for us. God wants us to be united with him. God wants us to be fulfilled in him. And God wants that fulfillment to spread with one another. So we're here, and um, after, in, in March has been pretty significant. The government has lifted certain restrictions uh, that I won't need to get into, but we're also able to see each other in person and, and, and uh, enjoy our quality of time together. Coming back together, and everyone in the live stream, right, is the first step now, because the church as a whole, we are going to be rebuilding and retransitioning because of everything that's happened in the past two years. We are called to continuously find our fulfillment in God, and now more than ever, honestly, being able to reconnect with one another and reestablishes the purposes of our life. It's not for our stuff. It's not for our own personal families, but a koinonia, a community of love with one another. Better is a church, if we're going to paraphrase from Proverbs and attach it to our context in a biblical way, better is a church that has nothing but loves each other than has all the resources, but no one knows each other. Better is a family that fears God and has little and prioritizes God above everything than a family that has too much and has no love for each other. It is a blessing to be able to find our longings filled in God and in the community. But it is a challenge for us, and we need to recognize this challenge that every day when we wake up, we are going to be bombarded, and we are going to be tempted with 10 million different things to not fully surrender ourselves to God. You might say, okay, I'll just read my quick verse of the day, write a few notes, and I'm good. We know we need more than that. We're going to be tempted every single day to really surrender to God, and we're going to be tempted to not really want to engage with each other, to kind of be in our own comfort bubbles, especially after the pandemic. But God calls us to not only higher purposes, but greater joys, greater longings that can be fulfilled. But if we dive deep into him, if we wake up and say, God, this day is for you, I prioritize you more than air because you are more important than that. You give me life. If we are really committed to this, we will see very good change, very great and godly change for the kingdom. And here in Plus Life, absolutely, to continue to grow and move together. So let it be known that it is very wise for us to prioritize and fill ourselves with God. And God wants us to do that. So keep going. Keep growing. Keep pursuing God more and more. If you're a Christian and you do your devo very sufficiently and you find your longing fulfillment in God every single day, excellent. Use that and disciple other people who feel guilty knowing that they don't do it every day. And there's no shame here because God's always calling us back. Something interesting that I find, I'll close with this, in my church is that during the pandemic, we did a lot of our fellowships online, and we could record, actually, our prayer requests but just by typing it out so that people won't forget and be like, oh, what did you ask for again? And so we actually have a compiled list of a lot of prayer requests. 
And someone took the data from, or the data, or the prayer request and compiled it into one, a big pie chart and was showing us what was the number one prayer request that uh, they were asking for. And it was to spend more time with God. I thought that was very, very, very good, but also very, very interesting because now we have a way to move forward and encourage one another to pursue God more. So I'm hoping that if any of you are here or in the live stream that know that you haven't been being satisfied in God for a very long time, that you can at least talk to someone or come to Pastor Ian or one of the elders or one of the mature Christians that you trust in your life and be very honest about that so that we can work together in being fulfilled in the love of God, prioritizing God, taking in God, and using that to share in the love of the church. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your grace to us. We thank you that you satisfy us. We thank you, Lord, that you've given us hearts that do long for good things, that do long for community, that long for love and acceptance. But Lord, may we not be mistaken. Spirit, I pray that you will help us to discern what is truly good from you and to take in more of you through your word, through fellowship, through worship. And Lord God, as we are more satisfied in you, as we surrender to you, may you use us to impact everyone around us so that we can share with them the same love that you've given us. And in so doing, Lord, may your church here in this community be a church that loves you more than anything both individually and together. Oh, Lord, I pray in your name that you would satisfy everyone here who's longing for peace and for rest, for healing, for restoration, for your light. Lord, may you give it to them and give it to them abundantly. And Lord, as we surrender to you, we thank you for your love and your grace, as always, that you gave your life for us. And nothing we can do can separate us from you. Because, Lord, you hold us firmly. So, Lord, help us to keep trusting you. Thank you for this time, Lord. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.